We give you thanks that there is a place where we can go to to hear your word. And your word is steadfast and established and heaven and earth will pass away. But your word will never pass away. And the promises therein are yes and amen. And the fulfillment of your plans will not change. Your counsel stands. The climate changes. Our emotions change. Circumstance change. But you remain the same forever. So let us build our lives upon you. Because your purposes will be fulfilled. What you have promised Those who wait upon your promises will see the fulfillment of those promises. Those that choose the fear of the Lord and choose to inherit your goodness in this land, they shall see your glory. And you say that no one who waits upon you shall be ashamed. There won't be one person that waits upon the Lord that will be ashamed. But we will be dressed with the glory of your faithfulness and you will fulfill your promises And we will see the splendor of your glory. So tonight we pray, Lord, that you would rekindle our fire and teach us, Lord, how to inherit those promises. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. First and foremost, it's it's always very um, worrisome to me as I was a child and growing up. And seven, eight years old, I learned that you can... Start a fire by rubbing two sticks together. I don't know if, you, you know, if you're in Miami, you really don't. But I was out in Titusville, and we were in the forest, and sometimes we'd go out to the forest. And, and when I would see the, the young Boy Scouts rubbing their sticks together and starting a fire, I was like, man, I need to learn how to do that. Uh, fire having so much significance in survival for food and, and for lighting and for warmth. And so... Um, we then learned that you can get a mirror, and with the sun, you put dry grass, and with the mirror, and at a certain angle, uh, the, the mirror will do it, or the magnifying glass, and, and it was pretty cool doing that. But I found out that this is not something just in the natural. This is something in the supernatural. Over the last 29 years of my Christian walk, there have been more than plenty of times that you need to rekindle the fire. And the fire needs to be rekindled the most uh, right after the fire has been the strongest. Does anybody know why? Does anybody know why the fire needs to be rekindled after you've had the largest flames? Because after a large firestorm, what remains are ashes. And ashes tend to weigh upon the fire and put the fire out. So the priest in the tabernacle of the Lord had to become experts at removing the ashes from the lampstand. He had to remove the ashes from the altar of sacrifice. And I want to challenge you in that regards to understand that you're not supposed to sit there and worship the ashes. You're not supposed to sit there and do an ash heap, which means an ash mountain, and remember yesterday. For God wants us to continue forward. And Luke chapter 12, verse 35, Jesus says it best that we were to be dressed and ready and keep our lamps burning. We're supposed to be dressed in these uh, garments of the Christian faith. Um, Those of you that do anything for a long period of time 
If you're a mechanic and you're wearing mechanic clothes all day long, you're dying to get home and take off the mechanic's clothes. If you played basketball, if you played baseball all day long, you're dying to come and remove those garments. And if you've been a lawyer and you wear suits and ties all day long in the courthouse, you're dying to take these garments off. And so as a Christian, many times we might fall into the uh, tendency to say, you know something, what is on with this pursuing nature of my walk with the Lord? I mean, when can I stop being a Christian? When can I stop worrying about how I walk? And the truth of the matter is that that is the very reason you need to learn how to rekindle the fire. You need to be able to uh, learn how is it to, to refresh, to bring things back to the condition that is favorable. And we see all throughout Scripture, a lot of the men of God, a lot of the women of God got to the point where they said, you know something, I'm just tired. I'm just exhausted. I, I don't think there's, you know, there's any spark in me with regards to these things. And so along this way, the Lord wants us to be able, like it happened to David on in Psalm 51, you imagine this man, how could it be? The man who wrote the book of Psalms gets to the place where he says, Lord, restore to me the fire that I've lost. And somehow or another, uh, in my travels, it just left me. Some, some situation in my life has arisen, and I no longer feel that fire burning inside of me. And so he says like this in Psalm 51, verse 12, Restore to me that presence of your salvation. Restore to me that warmth that comes within. It's not a warmth that comes without. It's not a warmth that you get, you know, that comes from somewhere else. It's something that God lights inside of you. And he says, Restore the joy of my salvation, and that will sustain me. It'll be your generous spirit, and that'll get me, you'll notice that as soon as the fire is lit, there's almost a, an automatic consequence. When I'm going out to light my barbecue, I don't know when it's lit, and there has to be evidence that something is lit, and sometimes the burner's not working right, and you twist it, and you twist it, and you twist it, and nothing happened. A spark goes off, and nothing happens, but as soon as it goes on, in verse 13, he says, then I will teach others about your ways. This is, the, this is the, the proof in the pudding. If you got the fire of God lit inside of you, you're dying to tell somebody about it. You want to share. I was talking with George Gill today, and he was saying, when I'm doing a car and somebody comes up to me and talks to me, I'm dying to tell them about you know, my testimony. I'm dying to tell them about what God has done in my life. And, and so what do, what do I see? I see the fire burning. See, there's a fire in his heart, the presence of God. And so when that fire is burning and it, the presence of God is in our heart and the lights keep going out, we'll begin to tell others of what we have. And, and a, a good evidence of us being in a condition um, is that fact that we don't even feel like nothing's coming out. We open up our mouth, like I often say, and a bat comes flying out of there. Some real 
incredible things. Psalm 16, verse 11, David being an expert at restoring this relationship with God. Many things happened in his life and he would always jump start and jump and kick start and and get it back into gear to finish what God had started him. And he would say, you will show me the path of life. You're going to direct my steps in your presence. That's where I find joy. It's at your right hands that I find pleasure. From time to time, when the fire goes out, we need to go looking for fire somewhere else. We need to go spark a little, a little uh, relationship in the wrong direction. We, we start a new job. We, we have ideas of doing something else. And, and there is a problem. I want to tell you that you want to kindle or rekindle the fire of God because it will direct you in the right direction. But if you rekindle the wrong fire, how many know people like that? Their Christian fire goes out and they, they say, you know, so I'm going to start a new hobby. I'm going to start new friends. I'm going to start new relationships. And God is watching this and saying, no, 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 no. Don't go in that direction. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 11. And you'll see it happen. You'll see Isaiah uh, chapter 50. Verse 11, where, where Isaiah tells the people, look, all you who kindle a fire. You started a, a new habit. Um, you, you're, you're seeking the Lord is not the first thing for you. you. You're going your own direction, trying to fill a void, trying to fill an emptiness. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourself with sparks. As you walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that you have kindled, this you shall have from my hand. You're going to see a rude awakening. You're going to see a nightmare. What you thought was fire, what you thought was good, what you thought was the direction of the Lord is, is going to be horrific. I, I sometimes wonder how people even live with the torment of the fires they have kindled without God's permission. They have sparked uh, relationships up because God was taking too long. They have walked in directions of saying, okay, since God is taking his merciful time, let me find my own way, my own direction. And, and you see this happening all the time. The sons, of, the sons of Aaron in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 10, they decided that they would kindle a strange fire before the Lord. That was, that was powerful. As these men of God, these men that were serving before the presence of God, somehow or another, they decided that they would do something creative. And in their creativity, they were sparking fires, rekindling emotions maybe, and sentiments that God never intended for them to kindle. Or start out, I'm trying to look for it here for you guys, Leviticus 10. And, and when God shows up, he sends his fire from above. Maybe the lights are hot tonight. Uh, 
It's verse 1, Leviticus 10, verse 1. It says, Then Nahab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took censers and put in it, they put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord. And, and, and I want you just to don't get too sophisticated with what is profane fire. I don't want to do that. It's anything that you're starting that the Lord hasn't started. Anything the Lord has not commanded you to do becomes a profane fire, which he had not commanded. So fire went out from the Lord, verse 2, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord is speaking Anyone who comes near to me, I must be regarded as really taken serious. And before all the people, I must be glorified. These type of situations that, that happened um, are very unusual. Only, only to say this, that, that God doesn't want you to be, I, I wrote this in my book, He doesn't want you to be displaying something that doesn't have a promise. You, you start things that God never intended to start it. You go places God never intended you to go. And so everybody's watching you and your name, because you're God's people, is upon you. And so we, we ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts to make sure that we're not walking in that direction because God doesn't feel, feel any pleasure in bringing consequence to our life. But he does want us to take him serious. We are his people. In Psalm 27, verse 4, and King David says, I'm not going to go elsewhere to seek fire. I'm not going to go elsewhere to seek a spark. I'm going to go into your presence. And one thing I desire, that I will seek the Lord, that I might dwell in his house all the days of my life, that I can behold his beauty and inquire and ask him in his temple, that I might meditate that I might take my Christian walk deeper. I, I don't know about you, but these 29 years in the Lord, whenever I feel that I'm entering into a rut or a difficulty or adversity, or I'm like, Lord, where are you? I, I tend to go, I'm going to go deeper with God. I just told somebody this morning, I have nowhere else to go. I, I can't think of anywhere that I can go that is going to go well with me other than deeper with God. And if I'm not feeling God, I'm not going to go to the surface. I'm going to go down deeper. And this is what David would do. He says, I'm going to go to the house of God. I'm going to go seek his face. I'm going to go gaze upon his presence. I want to look for the sweet attractiveness of his loveliness. To meditate, to consider, to inquire. Why David? Verse 5, he tells us why. Because in the day of trouble... He's the one that protects me. In the day of difficulty, I know that he's my defense. He's my pavilion. He's my secret place. In his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He's able to bring me up to a higher rock. Set me high upon a rock. I, I still, you know, people, here it goes, ready? People have seen our lives and they wonder, wow, Paulette has it together. Paulette's not even halfway where God is going to take her. Not even. Not even. We're not even close. What we have seen about God's faithfulness, and obviously we're seeking him because he's been faithful, but, but we haven't even scratched the surface of letting his, 
letting his spirit fan the flames. Fan the flames of our lives. And this is why David says, I would rather be in his house. One thing I've asked that I will, and I, this will I seek, that I can be in his house. Then I could go deeper in my relationship with him. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm mesmerized at the amount of people. I could count thousands of people during the year that says, I don't have to go to God's house to be close to God. Oh, really? And where are you going to go? I could go to a nightclub and God is there. It's like, it's crazy. It's insane. But David, a man of God, says, I know where my provision is going to come from as I go deeper, and he will be my deliverer in the day of trouble. I don't know where these people are going to run when they have issue. Could you imagine that? Where are they going to go? In the day of trouble, in the day of needing defense. And he says that the consequence of going back to the house of God Verse 6, he says, now shall my head be lifted up, and they will surpass the enemies that surround me. God's going to take me out of this situation. He's going to lift me up. In his tent, I will offer sacrifices and shouting of joy. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, verse 7, when I cry out and have mercy and be gracious to me and answer me. And Lord, you have said to seek your face. And I have said in my heart, your face will I seek. And so the rekindling of a fire, and many a times, one of the things that, that um, Oswald Chambers and many of the great men of God, they would go through bouts of the fire, you know, struggling and the presence being absent. And they would say like this, this is my promise or this is my prophet that I'm about to have a revival. Because whenever the devil is bringing me to get me into discouragement or disconnect, I know God is about to do some incredible thing. I want to be sitting around so I could see it. And so he says in the last verse of this Psalm 27, Psalm 27, 14, he says, So therefore, I will wait and hope and expect from the Lord. I will be of good courage and let his heart Remind me, yes, I will wait for him and expect the Lord. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. And so one of the, one of the things you want to do in times of rekindling is to hang on for another day. Hang on for another week. Hang on for another morning. Hang on for another season of your life. And so this is not only an Old Testament phenomena. As we read 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul comes around to... Timothy's life and says, hey, Timothy, stir up. Some translations, the New International Version says, fan the flame. Fan the flame. Fan the flame. Stir up the gift which was in you through the laying on of hands. Stir up the gift. Fan the into flame the gift of God, which is in you. What did Paul expect to see in Timothy's life that he would tell him, fan the flame? Because sometimes people have to say, whoa, Bubba, slow it down. I'm going to get a suntan around you. The flames are already, you know, huge. But when he's saying, fan the flames of the gift of God that has been placed inside of you, I want to tell you that one of the things that Paul 
was wanting to see in the life of Timothy is, Timothy is that which we see in verse 4. He says, I'm greatly desiring to see you, remembering how overwhelmed in tears you were because of God's presence and God's, God's life in you. And Timothy was, was so sensitive to the presence of God that when Paul last saw him, he was remembering the tears the sensitivity of God's spirit. And so he, reminding him to this, he says in verse 6, and, and, and we, went, we read verse 6, he says, fan the flame. Verse 7, for God did not make you a spiritual wimp. He didn't put a spirit of timidity. He didn't put a spirit of fear in you so that you would be intimidated. When a person has the fire of God upon him, fear doesn't find a place. And you can, you can do away with the spirit of fear as you remind the devil that the promises of God are about to be fulfilled, that what God has promised is about to be revealed. He's about to display his glory. And, and I ran, once again, remember that what you guys see here tonight as you look around and you see people that have come and you see what God has provided, there was a time that, that there was nothing, nothing. And so we see what God is able to do as we have continued to walk, not in the timidness, timidity, but in the power of God's spirit, the power of love, the power of self-discipline. These three things are the things that you will see in a person that has the fire of God upon him. There won't be fear, there'll be faith. There won't be a, in being overcome, but the power of his love will be strong. And then self-discipline, which pretty much is, is telling your thoughts, hey, chill, calm down. What you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're going through, this is not reality because there's a God whose promises are true. You'll inherit what you wait for. And a lot of people don't have that, that mindset of waiting. They don't have a vision. So he tells them in verse 8, So therefore, do not be ashamed, but testify about our Lord. Paul is saying somebody who has fanned the flame is not scared is walking in the power of love and self-discipline and testifying about it. Lord, if you restore and rekindle the fire, I will tell someone about you. And then he says, walk with me in suffering for the gospel. A person who has the fire of God revived in them, rekindled, is a person willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. Uh, I was talking to a a professional fighter um, who incidentally called this week through Save Your Marriage. He says, I need help with my marriage. I know how to train fighters in the cage with extreme fighting, but I don't know how to love my wife. I don't know how to repair my marriage. And I said, well, just like you know how to teach fighting, I know how to restore marriages. I know how to put families back together. And what it takes is that you don't throw in the towel. If you throw in the towel in a fighter's ring, it's over. You're saying, I quit. I'm not going to continue to fight. 
Well, when somebody has the fire of God's spirit, he says that he's willing to continue on suffering. Paul says, join with me in suffering for the gospel. I don't know if, if you've ever seen yourself feeling like a fool for waiting upon God. You ever, your friends are like, hey, you're not doing nothing. You're not going to get nothing. And you're like, am I crazy? Am I crazy that I'm, I'm doing what nobody's doing? And so you suffer for the gospel. And, and, and as, as we talk about this tonight, I, I, we're going to take steps in the direction of rekindling the fire. That means, first and foremost, ask God to intervene. Ask God to come and, and, and remove the ashes. Remove those things that are, you know, you've seen a candle. Here's a candle. And what happens in a candle is that the wick starts burning and the ashes do it like a little mound there and it put out the flame. So you have to, without blowing out the fire, you, you got to take the ashes out. Ashes were a sign of yesterday's revival. We had a great time with Jack Keane. You better not hang on to that for the future. That was what happened this week. But you remove those ashes and get ready for that wick to continue to light the fire. And so we see testifying for others, not being ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, and then suffering for the gospel. That means that you're being patient as God is fulfilling his promises. And, and there are champions of suffering. You, do you guys know anybody who's waiting on God patiently? Huh? Look to your neighbor because he's sitting right next to you. Okay? People that are suffering for the gospel. And, and the fire needs to be revived, Paul is saying. And then verse 9, he, he says, what keeps you rekindled is focusing upon God's salvation, upon, upon the progress, upon the work that he's called you to. you got to be clear with that. The part of the process of, of inheriting the promises of God are according to this salvation that he called us to. The fire is rekindled when you know you're called. If, if you think that some pastor convinced you to come to church and that's why you're here, or your friend was going to church in a season of your life, so that's why you came, or your mom made you to come, none of that stuff sustains you. But if you know that you're called of the Lord, you know that you're being saved in the process of his mercy and love. Not because of anything you've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. I, I, I like how Paul is being directed by the Spirit of God to give uh, Timothy a way out of this situation where, where the, the, fan, uh, the flames are not, are not growing. He's giving them a way out in, in the meditation of this word. He says, don't forget that you've been given a special ministry. Keep that aspect of your life alive, ablazed. Talk about it. In verse 8, he's saying, don't be ashamed. Talk about it. Speak up for the master. Share in the sufferings just like everybody else. One of the things that used to keep me going when I was a young man uh, 20, 21, 22 years old, I would say, Lord, I'm not the only one in the whole world that's going through these problems. There are people all over the world that are hanging on, and I'm just one of those brothers in the faith that is holding on to see your glory. 
And so that would be inspirational. That would keep me floating. Not because we're doing anything, but because God has a purpose. If you read with me in verse 10, this purpose he's made known has fully disclosed. We have evidence that he's into this work because he's given his son. He's revealed it by the appearing of his son who brought life, immortality, and light through this good news. And then look what he says in verse 11. He says, this calling gives you a title, a claim, and a stock. In other words, the fact that this is a reality, you become a person in this calling. He says, for this gospel I was appointed as an apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles. I used to, remember I was one out of 40 young men in my high school class that God called with an amazing, glorious calling. And I would see those other guys, and they were running after things in this world, like first place. And I was like walking in the opposite direction. Because this is what it feels like when God is calling you, you see everybody running that way. And they're running fast, and they're going to get first prize in the blue ribbon over there, and God is calling you apart. And I said, Lord, I, I think I'm walking the wrong way. I, I feel very strange. And then the Lord says, you want to be somebody out there, or you want to be somebody in here? You, you could be Mr. Cool over there. You could go open up a beer, and you could sit there, and you're Mr. Cool over there. Or you could be my prince. Or you could be my messenger. You could be my prophet. You could be my servant in your generation. And so it's a matter of if you follow the call, the call gives you a title. But if you follow the world, you, you're just part of the multitude. And so I said, Lord, explain to me a little bit more. He says, you're the only one out of these 50 guys that knows how to give somebody entrance into the kingdom of God. You're the only one that's able to usher somebody into heaven's gates, into eternity. All those guys know a lot of things, but they do not know how to bring somebody to have eternal life. And that's greater than everything that they're doing. And so this calling gives us a title. It gives us a position. It gives us, with, together with this, with this life, Paul says, I have become an apostle. Let's go ahead and read that real quick. He says, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. I, I wonder if you know what your spiritual calling is. What, what has God called you to do? Because I know that more than being an engineer or a businessman, you're a husband and a father. You're a man who's making a difference and a legacy of a family that will change the world. And God is preparing you to these glorious things, which right now you won't see. But like, they, like Joseph said, at the end of his life, he says, hey, tell dad that I am father to Pharaoh and ruler of Egypt. I'm, I'm the top dog. I am the prince of Egypt. 
And so these callings have, have qualified you in these categories. And Paul had it clear. Because of this gospel, I'm appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. In verse 12, he says, this is why I'm suffering as I do. If I'm, I'm going to be a man of God, I'm going to have to suffer things. If I'm going to be the man God calls, I'm going to have to go through hardships. I'm going to have to go through dealings. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep me and what I've committed to him until that day. I know that God wins. I know that at the end of whatever I'm feeling and whatever I'm going through, it's, I'm going to be at the top at the end of the, at the wrestle. After we finish wrestling and fighting and arguing and, 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 and rolling around on the dirt, struggling to fight the good fight of faith, I'm going to be at the top according to God's purpose. And so that's what he's telling Timothy. And you know, a lot of things are hitting Timothy left and right, but thank God for Paul. Thank God for men who will speak about the fire of God in your life. In verse 13, he says, if you're going to hold on, you're going to have to hold on to the word of God. Go deeper into scripture in times of distress. Find a new revelation of God. Hold fast and follow the pattern of these words that you have heard from me. In all faith and love, which is in Jesus Christ, guard and keep the truth that's been entrusted to you. That the Holy Spirit has made home in your hearts. I, I don't know how people are able to survive without the Word of God. At every crossroads of my life, I've gone deeper into the Scripture. I remember when one of my best friends that was in this ministry about 10 years ago, he, he just called me one day. He says, I'm not going to be with you no more. And, and I was like devastated. I said, God, why? And he took me to Isaiah chapter 6. And he said, on the day that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And God says, I'm going to allow people to die in your life, real close friends, so that you can come closer to me. I'm going to allow people to not, Isaiah was, was really good friends with King Uzziah. Uh, can we put that up there? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. He was really good friends with this king. This king was powerful. And all of a sudden, Isaiah writes the word, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. When we're going through devastation, disconnect, disorientation, God wants to reveal himself more. You don't sit there and say, God, look what's happening. I can't see you. No, he wants you to see you more clearly. When that significant person in your life is no longer there, you know who wants to show up? God wants to take his place. And, and that's what happened to me on that morning. God wants us to press in closer to him, and we do that through his word. His word like a fire that, that consumes us. In verse 15, to rekindle the fire, Paul gives an example of things that want to come and damper your fire out. And the, the, the verse that he shares in 2 Timothy 1.15, he says, You already know that my friends that were with me in Asia have turned away from me. And he even tells their names. 
You guys know that my companions in ministry are no longer with me. And so that could damper your relationship. As certain friends stop to have company and forsake. But verse 16, he says, May the Lord grant his mercy to the family of another gentleman because he showed kindness and ministered to my needs. He was not ashamed of my chains and imprisonment. Paul says, yeah, while some people are not willing to walk with you as company into the ways of the Lord, which revives your fire, there will be others that will. There will be others that will stand up for Christ. You're going to have to say goodbye to some people. You're going to have to tell some people, you know, some, if you're not willing to pay the price for Christ, uh, we're not going to be in fellowship anymore. But then Paul says in verse 16, there was some, like this gentleman here, the family of Anisiphorus, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, one Sephorus, for he often showed me kindness and ministered and met my needs. He was not ashamed of my paying the price of being a servant for Jesus Christ. No, rather, when he reached Rome, he searched me out diligently and eagerly and found me. May the Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord on the great day when we stand before the Lord. And you know how many things he did for me and what a help he was at Ephesus. Paul is speaking these words, telling Timothy, get around the right people. How many say amen? Get around the right people. Get around the people that are going to be speaking to you faith, hope, and love. What's the opposite of faith and hope and love? It's the opposite of faith. Fear, the opposite of hope. Despair, anxiety, worry, stress. And what's the opposite of love? The opposite of love is selfishness. Selfishness, people that live for themselves. That's why selfishness destroys a friendship, selfishness destroys a marriage, selfishness destroys a family, selfishness destroys the church because they're not walking in love. And Paul is saying these things. He's saying you get around people that are full of faith, full of hope, full of love. As Peter ran right after Jesus was betrayed, he tried to get around the company of those that kindled a different fire. In John chapter 18, verse 18, it was a cold morning, and the servants and the officials stood around a fire, and they were there to keep themselves warm. And they started pointing at Peter, saying, man, you look like one of those. And he denied Christ three times, three times, and even cursed when a little girl said, you sound like one of them, you speak like one of them. That's one of the fires. I don't want to be around people. I don't want to be around people that, that are damping the Christian fire. They know how to blaze a trail for the world and for the glory and the things of this world. They know how to throw a party for the devil. I have a friend of mine that every year he would throw a party for Halloween. It was called the Three Amigos Party in Key Biscayne. And I went over to him. I said, you know something? You're the, you're the master of ceremonies for Satan. You're throwing a big party for the kingdom of darkness. How come you can't Throw a party for the kingdom of light. How come you can't call people together to glorify God? And so he found himself there in that fire. I love this other fire that was there in John chapter 21. 
when these men had turned their backs and had gone back fishing, and Jesus goes back to get them. And the Bible says there that Jesus had lit a fire and had prepared it for them to come closer to him. Look what it says. John 21, verse 9. When they got out on land, they saw a fire of coals there, and there was fish lying on it, cooking, and a piece of bread. They were out there looking for fish, and the Lord already had lunch, and he had a fire going, and he had provisions on that fire. And when they were sitting there, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net full of large fish, 153. And there were so many of them, the net was not torn. And Jesus said, come and have breakfast. But none of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? Because they knew that it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to him. And so also he gave them fish. And there, it seems that Peter's fire had gone out. And the Lord is going to rekindle the fire. And the Lord is going to ask him, do you love me? Because I think that that's what at, lies at the bottom of all our fires as we stand in the presence of God. It all comes down to not if you like the pastor, not if you like the carpet or the brethren, not if you like the name of the church. It all comes down to your love for God. I remember the, the verse that's in Songs of Solomon where it says it doesn't matter what I'm going through. And, and this, this woman goes through incredible amounts of adversity. She's beaten. She's betrayed. She's mocked, made fun of. And there's only one thing why the fire is still burning. And you guys know what it is, right? Her love. Her love for God allows her to withstand the many adversities that she's had to face. And you could read that with me there in Songs of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 7. You can start reading in verse 6. Set me as a seal, a mark upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Verse 7. Many waters cannot quench love, nor the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, he would utterly despise it. Love is what continues allowing our fires to flame, allowing us to continue to pursue the things of God, go deeper. I'm, I've seen a lot of incredible things. I was telling Yvette about three days ago, my wife, I was saying, you know something? What God has done through us is crazy. The nations we've touched, the men of God we've served, the, the people that we have, we have transformed as instruments in God's hands is amazing. I don't know if you think we're done yet, but I'm convinced we're not. And when God starts a work, he finishes the work. He perfects the work. There have been so many people who have come through and, and have gone. So many people come and go. So many people come and go. So many people come and go. And, and I'm, I'm sitting there saying, Lord, you are so faithful. The Lord is speaking to me in these days. Take a little step back and enjoy what I'm going to do. 
be mesmerized by my incredible power. Let's stand tonight. And I want you to be one of those overcomers. I want, to, I want you to be one of those that doesn't allow your fire to be removed from the purposes of God. As, as God has already intended to place upon you a supernatural, He's ignited something that is not man's fire. He's ignited something that didn't come from the earth. He's ignited something that is supernatural through his spirit. And the process of a fire keeping it going is a phenomenal responsibility. It's an amazing responsibility that you have to pursue it. You have to pursue keeping your fire ablaze. Fellowshipping with the likes of Jack Keene, you can't help to have a conversation with him and get the fire of the Holy Spirit on your life. Same thing with Tony Rory. Same thing with G.F. Watkins and Guillermo Aguayo and Jimmy Cornejo, men who have done incredible things, and they keep the fire burning. They want to see the glory of the Lord. They want to see his fire ablazed. And ask the Lord, ask the Lord that you might be restored in the inner person that your spirit might be restored. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's not look to the side and say, well, so-and-so, or summon what, and summon who. Say, God, light my, light my heart on fire. Hallelujah. Let's sing a song to the Lord, and then we'll pray. If you feel like coming to the altar of the Lord, that's a good place to get fire. The, 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 the altar is always on fire. Because it's the Lord's altar. You could come and just kneel down and tell the Lord, Lord, light my fire. Keep the fire burning in my heart. I want my thoughts to be consumed. All the foolishness be consumed. All the doubt be consumed. All the fear be consumed. Let hope, faith, and love prevail. Let God give you a new refreshing of his spirit. As we sing this song, let's just get in God's presence this evening.